Moonlands, and welcome to Mooncast, the ventilation shaft. Now this is a little bonus edition, if you like, of Mental Meanders with Moonlands, that's me, um, where uh, I'm not going to be joined by Jamie, good old Jamie Mack, because he's not always available, as much as I love the guy, and uh, it's going to be shorter as well, and it'll be about topics, or, you know, a topic that just bouncing around my head. And I want to just just have a little vent about, hence the uh, hence the ventilation shaft title. So the topic this time is going to be: Is this okay for kids? Now it's a very broad topic, and there is definitely some meandering to be done. Probably go off topic a little bit, but I think for for the good of for the good of the uh, the conversation here, the the exploration. So I'm going to end up dividing this into a few videos, just because. If I talk for the usual hour and 25 minutes of the, the regular mm cast, then I'm, if you don't get sick of it, I'll get sick of it. Uh, just just me talking. So we're going to break it up. Uh, this is not going to be a rigorous essay, um, by the way. It's just meant to be uh, just an expression of my thoughts and interests, concerns. I'd like to get some feedback, you know, maybe you could just, some people could get in touch and tell me just how out of my depth I am with these ideas here. So my opening gambit is is this that in movies like transformers we see in graphic detail all styles of robo mechanical beings have their viscera body parts um just ripped out slashed up they get sliced they get uh, parts of them blasted off and uh, most of these movies are classed as suitable for 12 year olds which you know, that's fine. But my question is, if the characters, the robots that are undergoing that, that incredible violence uh, were human, it'd be rated 18 instantly. If we had, as we've seen in the films, a human getting their entire spine just, just pulled out in slow motion in as much detail as possible, um, I feel like that'd be straight to 18. It wouldn't be a 12. Um, but that's what we see happening to the robots. And uh, the perspective I gave, I think, um, to me, is, is, is quite interesting. Um, imagine a bunch of Autobots type, you know, an Autobot type race, these robots. They came down to Earth and they saw these movies. They'd be saying, and you show this to your kids? So that's 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 where I'm, I want to start from. And uh, first of all, I, uh, I just think it's just funny. Uh, it, it amuses me. And uh, before anyone thinks that, I'm going to make some argument for totally sanitized entertainment. That's not what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Um, I don't have kids, but uh, I do have younger siblings, and I have babysat, so I think I know a thing or two about children. And um, I do think it's really important for children to have as as greater access to as wider and as powerful a range of content as possible. Same as what I'd want for adults. And I'm not suggesting that the Transformers films or any films with this issue should definitely change their rating or you know, I, ju I just think it needs, it's worth discussing. I think, um, I don't know how many people will have, I don't know if most people will have considered this idea as much as they've considered many of the other things that children grew up watching. So, um, and uh, I do want to make it clear that 
I'm, I'm talking specifically about children's entertainment here. I'm not talking about free speech generally, which I'm all in support of, and you know any of the overarching laws that come with this. Although I do recognise there is a connection, and um, I think maybe I'll I'll end up touching on that. Entertainment is entirely dependent on the audience. So I agree with the BBFC, for example, when they say that adults should be free to choose whatever content you know they want to look at compared you know outside of the serious exceptions that end up getting back to actual law and and stuff like that which i'm not going to go into here because this is about what's okay for kids so and when i say kids i'm talking 18 to 15 below really um although i still very much think of myself as a kid um though i certainly am over 18 so um if you want to look at exceptions for adults, just look at the BBFC guidelines. So uh, that's the the British Board of Film Classification. Sorry, Americans, but those are the standards that I'm going by. So anyway, back to the idea. So Transformers is horrendously violent. And if it were humans in place of the robots undergoing the same violence, we would uh, we'd class that as an 18 instantly. Um, and if you haven't seen these kinds of films or you don't believe they're that violent or both, I'm going to go through some of the examples in the uh, the next video. So... And I'm going to go through what the, the BBFC guidelines are for violence. So, But, but what I want to take uh, issue with in this first one, this first part, is um, the idea that instantly people will say, well, look, um, it's not adults, it's not humans, it is the robots. And these robots don't even exist, so it's not a problem. And uh, I think that's kind of just a failure to engage... Sorry, there's something in my eye here. Um bugging me uh, this won't matter to podcast listeners so i don't know why i'm mentioning it but um if uh if if your objection is well it doesn't happen it doesn't exist or you know i don't believe this or whatever it's kind of a failure to engage with the hypothetical this is not how that works we just it's just set up to try and go through the logic you know it's a philosophical idea if uh, if we couldn't have hypotheticals i'm not quite sure how most of philosophy would work um i think that's worth a whole podcast on its own i'm quite looking forward to doing some sort of hypotheticals podcast um because it's weird how often that objection comes up but um yeah and and all right so even if you have that objection i would say there is a potential for this to be a problem in the real world that's not as far off as we think. So I'm, I'm going to get to that. And first of all, I just want to point out that I'm talking specifically about the violence because um, <laughs> as, as, as I want to touch on, pun intended, as you'll see in a second, is that sex in media is not treated the same as violence. Sex seems to be way more taboo or, you know, um, if, if imagine if we're in Transformers, right? Imagine there was a scene where little Sam Witwicky, he just walks into his garage and um, he hears some scraping, some squeaking. He looks around, Optimus Prime's there and uh, he's getting funky with the exhaust pipe of his dad's hatchback. Um, Sam's going to be going, what the? You know, and I can just imagine Optimus turning around, just looking over his shoulder, just like, Sam, it's not what it looks like. You know, um, and Sam just looking up and, Bumblebee, what are you doing in the corner with the camera? You know, I, I don't know what context you'd need to justify this, but this kind of these kind of scenes, but I doubt they'd pass in a 12. So anyway, for, as for the rules of sex, now that ha that's handled and why that's such a big taboo. And that's another serious issue for another time. I have no idea where to start with that. I just wanted to point out how infrequently and much more carefully it seems that sex is handled um, compared to violence. So back to good old violence. What is the problem in real life that I'm talking about? So maybe it won't be Optimus Prime coming down from another planet, coming down from Cybertron. But we might create, perhaps we even already have created, we just don't know it yet, 
artificial intelligence that may be able to evaluate and even condemn this kind of entertainment. So um, with the power of supercomputers and the amazing advancements in self-learning technology and the fact that these computers could connect you know, through the internet with like vast amounts of servers and all the rest of it. Who's to say that we couldn't create something um, that could that could do that? That could could be <laughs> something worth conser- concerned, uh, something concerned about this worth it considering. Um, I'm not saying that we should, by the way. Just as a little side note, I'm not saying we should create AI, AI that's this advanced. That is a serious question, and um, not can we, but should we? Um, And I definitely think that's worth a whole other podcast. I definitely want to unpack a lot of the stuff here with AI. So if you just want to look at general talk about AI, you can look at my previous podcast I did with Jamie. It's called Artificial Intelligence. And uh, if you think that me saying this is just as wacky as suggesting that, you know, Autobots may come down, some Transformers may come to this planet or something like that. I just want to take a moment here to just digress a little bit. I know this is going to go off topic from kids entertainment, but um, I'm going to go through some examples of why this isn't as far away because I do think this is an important issue. And so any any opportunity, um, it's kind of as scary as interesting to me. And um, I'd like to say I will do another podcast on this at some point, but... Just to go over some things in AI advancement, so self-learning and supercomputers and things like that. In 2015, Google's DeepMind team created an AI named AlphaGo. AlphaGo was able to teach itself the Japanese board game Go, and um, it did this by studying a large number of games that humans were playing against humans. And the reason they chose Go is because it's got vastly more moves and possibilities than chess, and chess is obviously famous for having tons of moves um so they just they, they pick go because it's even more difficult and go alpha go this computer ended up being able to beat some of the, the best uh, human players in the world it was regarded as basically the best uh, go player in the world and it did this by just watching other humans play studying these games and uh we're not watching them per se but you know what i mean in 2017 the improved version of this ai alpha go zero beat AlphaGo by 100 games to nil, and AlphaGo Zero learned entirely by playing games against itself. It started from square one, and it taught itself to be that good, and it did it in 40 days. So it beat the best ever Go player in 40 days teaching itself. That seems crazy to me. I mean, what I don't know what DeepMind are going to produce next. They seem to have you know, I'm not sure what they're up to in 2019, but what else might AlphaGo Zero be teaching itself or could teach itself? Um, is it not possible for a computer to teach itself then to be as good at every field a human can be or even down to the levels of imagination and philosophy? If it's down to processing information, you know, um, <laughs> what could what is the potential of something like AlphaGo Zero? And people will say, well, it's, you know, what about the hardware? Um, it's limited to you know, the, the the software or the hardware that it's built on and so forth. And I think that's a valid concern. And that's why I just want to mention next, I want to go into some supercomputers. So um, there's this thing in maths called the Erdos discrepancy problem, which was established in the early 1930s. And for over 80 years, well, some around that uh, amount, despite repeated efforts, um, humans and computers have been unable to create a proof or disproof for the second and third propositions of the uh, the Erdos discrepancy. 
And then the proof of that proposition was um, uh, actually proved in 2014 when uh, Boris Konev and uh, uh, Alexei, um, oh, I've written his name down here, uh, Lisitsa, Lisitsa, uh, they used a supercomputer to um, calculate the first ever conclusion to the second proposition. And the proof of that was 13 gigabytes of text data. And if you don't understand what that, that looks like, um, that's like the whole of Wikipedia compressed for download. That's in print form. This computer churned out a mathematical proof that is the equivalent of 7,473 volumes, 700 pages each. So that's seven uh, that's 5.2 million pages in total of this complicated maths proof. And that seems near impossible for humans, or practically impossible for a human to double check that length of formula. Um, that just sort of, to me, that helps demonstrate the power of a supercomputer in terms of like that one little field. And what other problems do we trust computers with currently without any way of checking their working? What problems will computers solve in the future without any way of humans checking their working? Uh, just imagine multiple AlphaGo zeros learning different things with the power of multiple supercomputers behind them. Imagine these computers communicating with each other via the internet with all these super servers all over the world firing like synapses across a giant brain, you know, or brains. So um, how on earth are we as humans going to control that and uh, something very recently came up that was quite disturbing with regards to that which was when um, uh, Facebook they created some AI there were some chat bots and they were they were self-learning and doing all this kind of stuff and I'm not quite sure what their initial purpose was but they started talking to each other in their own language and uh, the developers the engineers they didn't know they couldn't understand what they were saying they didn't know what the code was or whatever so they decided to pull the plug they had to shut them down and this was not so much a concern about whether or not they generated something sentient because in in, in very complex AI systems and in self-learning systems, computers can create their own language and start communicating to each other. It's not an unheard of thing. But the way I understood it was that they just didn't put the correct place, like the, 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 the security in place, if you like, for making sure that they talked in an understandable language or that they communicated like that at all. Um, and that's the thing, you know, all right, that's, you could say that's just a, an error of diligence or whatever, but what if it was something like a much more complicated than that? What if it, what if it was a computer that was much more powerful than that, um, getting out of control and talking to, to other ones and stuff? I think it's, it's pretty concerning. And um, another computer we, that, that came out in 2015... So on the on the physical side of things, just to show that it's not limited to just problems like maths problems and stuff like that, although it, it kind of all comes down to that in a way, I guess you could you could say. But um, they're better at humans at physical things as well. So we had this robot called Omron uh, Forpheus. It was produced by Omron 2015, and after five years of self learning, it uh, it learned from from players how to be basically uh, capable of beating professional table tennis players this robot it's a table tennis robot have a look at it on youtube it's great to look at it's really interesting it's meant to be a coach and apparently it does that really really well but the point is you know in five years they reckon from now so i guess 2020 this robot's going to be the best table tennis player in the world um so just think of that think of the power of AlphaGo zero think of somebody at facebook doing something stupid like that think of the power of the supercomputers that we have around the world and think of the way that with cameras and other tools computers can basically 
process just about anything to a better level than any human that will ever exist. Um, another way to think of this in terms of where, where we're going with this or how, how this is feasible is um, to look at simulation theory. So simulation theory is just, there's a number of ways to, to look at it, but one way I think is quite fun, quite easy way to comprehend it is that it, we're making computer games now that are increasingly complicated. They get more and more um, complex, the graphics improve, but not just the graphics, but how the uh, characters interact with the environment and so forth. Isn't it possible if we aren't limited by technology, if, if there's not reason why we can't create a, a synthetic computer that has the power of a human brain or other things like this, um, as it seems to be, we can they ca we can do that. Um, if we don't blow ourselves up or something or nuke the population, um, we're going to continue to make these games and we might make something that is indistinguishable from a real world, you know, and, and thereby we could be in a simulation ourselves from a civilization just like us that kept creating these things that were simulated but eventually got so complex they were the, the real thing um you know and just computers have been building profiles on us for a long time now we have a lot of data about humans and our civilization and what we think and how we act and even in the last couple of years you think about siri and alexa and all these things that we bug our homes with i, mean, I personally don't but these are collecting data about how we speak, how we interact, and it's all skewed because it's what we're verbalizing, not necessarily our thoughts. And so these computers, just like the corporations that try and monitor us and take all of our privacy and our information, computers will have that those profiles build, built of each and every one of us as well. And what would they do with that information? What would they think of us? And um, it seems to me that it's, it's a quite a, a big problem. Now, you would say, well, we want to progress in this in this world we want to keep progressing these creating this intelligence because we want to use it for good and um we can still run into problems with that so imagine i like this this is a fun example i like to use um imagine an ai that has the culmination of the power of all the examples i just provided with you before and you give it a simple task it could end up destroying civilization in the process so imagine Imagine you give a, a, a robot, you, you say, we got this super, super robot, on here, super computer, whatever, and you, you, you give it the task to make hummus every day. The hummus bot 3000, right? And uh, once you start that on its journey, how do you stop it? When something's so clever that if you realize it's getting out of control, it's not doing things the way you thought it would because it's, it's finding its own way, it's learned its own methods of getting stuff and you want to pull the plug. How do you pull the plug on something that is able to make its own backups and trick you into thinking that you have pulled the plug or convince you not to pull the plug for other reasons and so forth? How do you stop that? And you can put a place in here where you say, well, we'll stop it when it gets to that level. Um, but what if it works out to get past that? You just get to the infinite regression of stopping points that you think you're going to uh, stop with it. So the field that we've got, we've got loads of fields trying to, I mean, this hummus bot could end up just getting completely out of control, turning the whole world into a greenhouse, destroying humanity just to make more hummus. It's not that it hates humans or anything. It's just, it's not even sentient in that regard. It's just not on aligned with us, you know? So it goes up on this intergalactic, you know, um, colonization uh, uh, rage for building, you know, hummus plants and whatnot. Um, so we have this whole field um, called AI alignment and friendly AI. If you want to search either of those terms, um, you'll find out more about that sort of thing. Uh, if you don't want to read, you can look at some films that I think are quite interesting, or at least to get you stimulated maybe. Um, in 2013, there was a film called Her, and in 2014, there was a film called Ex Machina. They're just the last films that I saw in this regard, so in, in popular culture, you know. Uh, Her is definitely more the more plausible one it talks about the unseen development you know Joaquin Phoenix gets this OS that uh, you know it's like Windows or you know 
uh, any of this sort of thing on his phone, on his computer. And um, it's designed to be like Siri and to be self-learning and all the rest of it. And uh, through the power, you know, because that's how that's how I think is much more plausible. It's not going to be Terminator. It's not going to be humanoid robots walking around. It's going to be digital. It's going to be unseen. It's going to be on the internet and stuff. And this computer um, is not necessarily limited by resources because, as I said, you know, it can pull the supercomputers around the world, things like that, via the cloud. And it sort of has this intelligence explosion online and it learns and it becomes sentient um, and... Um, it kind of under, begins in infancy and then grows to adulthood and then gets completely beyond any human we've ever seen. And, and there's loads of them all over the world because there's one for every person sort of thing. And they all kind of amass. And um, just imagine that for a second. Imagine, just 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 put that on pause. Imagine a robot that undergoes uh, its education online. Imagine sex education online. I mean, we know what most of that looks like, right? We know what most of the sex stuff online is. So imagine a computer trying to process that. Um so hopefully I've made the point that it's not as far off as we think it is. And what I'm just trying to say here is if if that's painted a picture that shows you that it's not as wild a thing to say that we could be on the brink of this sort of thing, I hope, I hope I've done that or at least got you thinking about it. I'm, I'm saying imagine a world where with AI that's super intelligent or sentient or both, they might look at what we're showing our children and, and how we treat our computers and robots and things and say they clearly don't recognize us. Um, they humans clearly have an issue with uh, hy hypocritical issues with animals and we only have to look at what they're showing on TV to show that they maybe they don't value us you know and they'll be they'll be saying damn that transformer stuff is ugly you know imagine imagine if it was the other way around imagine if Optimus was like, hey, mate, you want to come to my pad? We've sorted out Cybertron. All the Decepticons are gone. Have a look at how we're hanging here because, you know, we've made some progress. And you go there and little Optimus Jr. is watching like the equivalent of D-Day or Apocalypse Now or Fight Club and it's humans just getting absolutely brutalized. Or you're something as gory as Transformers, but it's humans. You'd be seriously considered with how that kid and that generation of Autobots are going to view human life, you know? <laughs> and uh, you might just say to Optimus, mate, can I, can I, just, can I just have a word? Uh, how old is little Optimus Jr. there? And Optimus will be like, oh, he's 5,870,000. And no, can you just give me in, in human years, mate? Oh, he's about, he's about 10. You'd go, oh my God, this 10-year-old robot is just, he's looking at humans in a way that I would never want my children to look at, you know? Imagine a world where AI is trying to, uh, you know, integrate into society where you mustn't say offensive things about robots and your, your sentient smartphone might be listening. You, we have PC culture that's now encompassing robots. You can't have a robo racism. You know, the term robo might be equivalent to certain racial, racial slurs. We might have robots as protected classes and we might have Mark Zuckerberg saying that might be offensive to droids. Uh, making R2-D2 noises, you know, could be considered extremely insensitive. Um, in sports, it would be offensive to say, oh, I lost to a robot you know like saying i lost to a girl or something like this and um this violence you know imagine imagine that world imagine these computers in in this world what they would think about our entertainment and um you know it's not just limited to movies because we have it in video games it's so widespread now i love video games as much as the next guy i reckon i probably share a lot of uh, favorites with people watching this or just people in general like you know mario and crash and spyro and rayman and ratchet and clank and you know things like this they all have an undertone of violence. They all come down to violence. Um, it's all about whether or not you 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 kill the enemy or you knock them out or you make them faint or you know you you get rid of them or you know there's always this element of respawning, this life and death, and there's there's elements of it's always combative and stuff like this. Now it might not be so obvious. It's fuzzy little creatures. It's all happy and everyone you know kind of comes back and and stuff like this. But the point is, it's there. Those undertones are there.
and I recognize that, you know, you know, it's just sort of extremely normalized. It's very widespread, unless we're looking at dance games or other simulation games that are totally non-violent, you know, certain sports games and stuff like that. As soon as we get outside of that, as soon as we start making things uh, to do with other worlds or things that we can make up, it, most of it, the vast majority of the mainstream games seem to be all about violence and stuff. And I find that really, really concerning. And I just wonder, you know, how normalized and how widespread that is. And I recognize there's a lot of violence in life, but I don't know why it needs to be, you know, on that level across all entertainment to the level that even our youngest, the, the most young you can be to physically play the game, it's accessible to you. And we can talk about exposing children to the right amount of bad stuff, you know, to prepare for life, but how much does that need to be? And is that really as good a thing um, as we think it is? So um, that's kind of where I am with this. Um, let me just, uh, I think my camera may be just about to, to run its course. So I'm just going to make a super quick cut here. So yeah, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, this is uh, we're in dire need of, of of shaping up here. I just I feel like I want to point out what what seems to have got to be to be normal. What we we, we consider is normal, and there are there are some video games, of course, that um, are completely imaginative. They're not to do with reality or any, anything, and they are nonviolent. Like Flower is a really good example. Um, if you've ever seen that game, definitely check it out. It's a really beautiful, sort of mindful game. And I know there's there's other ones out there, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, what is the general effect of the undertones of violence widespread across our entertainment down to the level of as young as you can be to even comprehend this? It's, it's, it's accessible to you. It's there for you. And, and it's, and, um, it seems to be, seems to be normal. What, what would an artificial intelligence, super intelligent or sentient life of other nature that's, you know, above us or on level to us or, you know, as I tried to detail earlier, much beyond us, what would it think of that, you know? And uh, Optimus Prime, to come back to Transformers, he talks about how the human race is in its infancy. And you've got to believe that. I mean, George Carlin, one of my favourite comedians, said, you know, we're barely out of the jungle, folks, which I think really sums it up. Um, and uh, he talks about, Optimus Prime talks about how he wants the the human race to progress, I think, and how he doesn't want us to succumb to the violence, uh, the evil of the Decepticons. And I don't know if the visuals um, in Transformers, for example, are justified by that as much as they contradict it. So uh, the next thing we're going to do then is talk about how, uh, what are the examples? Just how bad is Transformers and what am I talking about? I've gone on this huge rant and maybe it's not even all worth it because it's just not that bad. You're overblowing it and whatnot. And what we don't even know what the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification, have to say about it. So that's what I'm going to do in the next part. So uh, I hope I didn't go too crazy. It's hard because once you get on one of these, these thought trains, you just kind of go all over the place. So I hope I've kept an eye on, you know, sensibility. And I, <laughs> I hope I've made it clear um, and uh, I've articulated as best I can, given the craziness of these thoughts. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, leave a like, you know, hit the subscribe button. And um, yeah, simple format. Just easy for me to try and get these videos up, knock them out without tons of editing or whatnot. So um, yeah, thanks for watching. And I'll see you in the next one.